Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Welcome to church. Are you happy to be in the house? Well, today, uh, counterculture. The whole theme of the conference has been living a life that is counter to the culture of the world. When the whole world is going downstream, God has called us to live a life that swims upstream. Just the very idea of swimming upstream means it's going to be harder than going downstream. It's harder to walk through the narrow gate than the wide gate. It's hard to walk down the narrow path than the wide path. It's harder to swim upstream than go with the rest of the crowd and swim downstream. First John chapter 2, 15, I love what John writes. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I love this verse. And it's just one of many verses found particularly in the New Testament, that encourages Christians to swim upstream, to go against the culture of the world, to go against the desires of the world, the flesh, the lust of the world, and to actually go after God, go against the flow, place God in such a high place in your heart, have love and regard for God in such a way that it makes it impossible for us to love anything that the world offers. We can't have it both ways. We are either in the culture of the world, swimming downstream, or we are counter to that culture, swimming upstream. And Christ has called us to live a counterculture life. And when we talk about living a counterculture life, it really starts with the question. And the question is this, Whose call are you going to answer? Is it the call of the world or is it the call of God? The title of my message today is simply this, Answer the Call. Look at your neighbor and say, Answer the Call. When I was younger, some of y'all young kids wouldn't even realize that when I was younger, we had these things. It's It's weird to talk about it now. It almost seems strange, like an alien object. We had these things called home landline phones. Does anybody remember home landline? Before cell phones, before Spotify, before the internet. And the the rich people had two, one for their dial-up modem internet and one that they would make calls on, right? You know, the home phone. So have you ever seen those videos online where they hand a 15-year-old kid a rotary phone and they don't know what to do with it? They're like, ooh, 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 right? it's, it's, It's hilarious, right? So we had this phone. I don't know what the rule was in your house, but in my house, my mama, my mom is beautiful. She's amazing, but gee, she's tough. She's a tough woman. And, uh, and, and so growing up, we had a rule in our house 
that you weren't allowed to answer the phone during dinner. I don't know what your rule was, but that was our rule. If we were having dinner as a family and the phone rang, we weren't allowed to answer it. And all three of us kids, I had two older sisters, uh, eight years old and four years older than me. We all went through a stage in our life where we, that really angered us. And it was the stage when our friends started calling us. Do you remember the joy that you would experience? Come on, some of you older people, when that phone would ring and you'd be like, oh, I hope it's for me. I hope it's my friend. You know, my sisters, all their little boyfriends calling the house, right? For me, you know, I had a couple girls call, I'm not gonna lie. And, and, and I would be there and, the pho- and I'd be at dinner. And I remember when I got old enough, I'd be at dinner and the phone would ring and I'd start to move and my mom would be like, Right, we grew up in the Philippines, right? The Austra- when, we, when we moved to Australia, my, my friends would be like, why does your mom hiss at you like a snake? <laughs> I said, oh, we love animals in our house. It's a real animal thing. I said, no, it's a Filipino thing. And uh, my mom, we'd be in a pack, we'd be in, in a shopping center in Australia, right? And, I, and my, I'd lose my mom and I'd just hear this, right? And I'd turn around and I'd see my mom and then I'd look next to me and I'd see seven other Filipinos turning around looking at my mom as well. We'd all, anyway, my mom would go, leave it, not during dinner. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but then what happens? Your mind starts running. Who called? What do they want? Who is it? What do they want? What's it going to be about? How's this going to outwork? Is it that girl? Is it that boy? Has it, you know, and and, and the, the rest of the dinner, I'm always thinking, what's it about? What, who, who is on that call? What are we going to talk about? What, what do they want? And a lot of times I feel like when we talk about the call of God, those questions are almost the similar questions that we have about the call of God. What, what is it? What is it going to be about? What does God want with me? What does God want? Because, because here's the problem. In church, we're so good at talking Christianese, right? We're so good at Christianese. We come in, hallelujah, brother, God is good. Jaira, he's my provider, right? We all, and we say, oh, it's all about the call of God, the call of God, the call of God. I'm living in the call of God. And the call of God is one of those Christianese things that so many people fake the understanding of because they don't want to be outside the cool circle that all know their call of God. And so we talk about the call of God so flippantly, yet so many of us don't really truly understand what it's about. To talk about the call of God in our lives is the very essence of being counterculture. The call of God, it gives us purpose and it rejects the world's definition of purpose. In the world, the definition they have is work hard so that you can buy nice things, so that you can have vacations, so that you can pay people to do things that you won't wanna do, so that you can raise your kids, they can become your retirement plan, right? That's the world's definition of purpose. That's my life. And when I die, that's it. That's the end. Live the good life. The world's definition is always self-centered and it's always selfish. It's always looking inward. But the call of God is counterculture because where the world says be selfish, the call of God demands selflessness. It's a life that's not about ourselves. Although you'll, 
You will greatly benefit from this life more than any other life that you'll live, but it's a call. It's a life that is built on following Jesus and loving others. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been called out of darkness into light for a purpose. We have a purpose. We have been called. Today, I want to explore that purpose. Now, I love this idea of the call. If you think about it, what is a call? You know, the meaning of the call, the verb, right, of call is a living creature, one living creature calling out, having the capacity to call out to another living creature, establishing connection, or maybe communicating something of importance to them. You know, we had this idea of the call. Doesn't that just make it so beautiful when we think about the call of God being a living creature, reaching out and communicating to us something of value, something of importance. God calling us, just like the verse said, to bring us out of darkness and into light. You know, I'm very wary when I preach on this. I've been preaching to particularly, uh, you know, to young people for almost two decades now. And whenever we talk about the call of God, this is a, a subject that I, I tread very, very carefully on. I don't want to make throwaway cliche statements. I don't want to make these just big statements that have actual no scriptural foundation or basis, but they just sound good because I was able to rhyme two really cool words together and everyone everyone just gets excited because I raised my voice. I'm very wary when I preach on this because I don't want to put people, particularly young adults, under a pressure that you don't deserve to be under to find this magical call that one of your friends has found, thus making your entire friendship group feel guilty, unworthy, not good enough because you haven't found your call. And so I'm very wary. I tread very lightly as I preach this today, particularly with young adults listening in the room. But I want to share a couple of of thoughts I have on the call of God. So let's get into it and let's talk about what it means to answer the call. My first thought is this, we all have a primary calling. Uh, Being around church for the last two decades, uh, the top three, out of the top three questions that I consistently get when it comes to church life, church culture, people, Uh, learning about Christ, learning what it means to be a Christ follower. In the top three, this question always comes out without a doubt. It's this, what's my call? What's my call? How come I don't have a call? How come my friend has a call and I don't have a call? What is my call? The issue is they actually are asking the wrong question because really what they want to know is one of two things is, Number one, what am I supposed to do for a job vocationally? Or number two, where am I supposed to serve in church, right? That's actually what people want to know. When they say, what's my call? I don't know my call. I'm frustrated about my call. They're not talking about the call of God that I'm about to explain. They're actually asking, where am I supposed to work? Or where am I supposed to serve in church? These two things, let me tell you, they're important. 
We're going to talk a little bit about them later on, but it's pointless to talk about where you're supposed to work and more importantly, where you're supposed to serve in a body of believers because those are secondary issues. We have to talk about the foundational primary call that each one of us have. And we have to build these secondary issues upon the foundation that we find in the Word of God. And that foundation is this, to follow Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've given your heart to Jesus, you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. It ain't no accident you've been called. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, is walking along the shore and he looks at some of these men that are fishing there in Matthew chapter four, verse nine, and he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave a call that is still relevant and it's still for you and me today. Come, follow him, and he is gonna teach us how to be fishers of men and women. Someone say amen to that today. To come and follow him is to know him, it's to love him, it's to grow in your relationship with him, and once you have that, you take it out and you share it with the world around you. This call is still relevant today, and it is our primary call. I may preach as my vocation, this may be my job, but I have the exact same primary call as each one of you, and that is to be a follower of Christ and share the gospel of Jesus with those around me. I don't have this special primary call because I'm a pastor. I have the exact same primary call as you. My primary call is no different from yours. That's why you shouldn't look at pastors in awe because we're doing the same thing you're doing. We just have a microphone or a Britney microphone. We're doing the same thing. We got the same call. It's just sometimes it gets outworked differently. We'll talk about that, but it's the same call. Love how Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? I, I love this. I always preach off this. I, I feel bad sometimes, like, do I preach off this verse too much? But how can, how, can you, how can you preach this too much? Therefore, if anyone isn't in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Just so that we don't just get too used to that, can you just for a moment just praise God that the old has gone and the new has come. Come on, just in your life, where you are, just so that you don't get too familiar with this scripture. I don't want you to get too familiar that the old has gone. I knew, I knew some of you when you were still in the old, and I'm praising God that the old is gone. So should you be too as well. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled to us through himself, through Christ. And now listen here and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have been reconciled with Christ, and now we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Again, I love this verse. I preach it a lot. 
I'll never stop preaching it. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's a beautiful scripture. Paul's writing here and he says, okay, firstly, God has reconciled us to him. And in doing that, he actually gives us this ministry. Now, you've got to understand, Paul is addressing this letter not to the pastor of the church, but to the entire church. So the ministry of reconciliation is not a department that we have in a church that is overseen by a pastor who is the reconciliation pastor. This is a letter to every single person online, outside, in the room today. You have been given, if you are a follower of Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation. And because of that, you and I are now ambassadors of Christ. Your life is not your own. If it still is, then you're not following Christ the right way. You can't follow Christ and just keep your own life. The old is gone. It's dead. New has come. That's why in the Philippines we get called born again. What church do you go to? Born again. We're born again. The old is dead. The new has come. We are now ambassadors for Jesus, and he is making his appeal to the world through us. This is our call. No matter what stage of life you're at, no matter what your finances are, what class you're a part of, whatever your relationship status is, married, single, widow, your age, even your biblical knowledge, it doesn't matter where you are at. You and I have been called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We have been called to do what he commanded us in Matthew 28 to do, which is to go and make disciples. So when someone says, Pastor, what's my calling? I say, easy. Love Jesus and love people. That's your calling. It don't matter what you do in your life. All of that is secondary to our primary calling, which is to know God, to know Christ, to know his saving grace, and then be an ambassador for him and share it to the world around me. And I just want to make this point, that this calling, it's not just an evangelism calling. Because there are people that have been given the gift of evangelism that actually have this increased gift that just seem to see people saved all, all around, everywhere where they go. But this calling is outworked, and I'm gonna slide this in, but it's outworked through the fruit of the Spirit. Everything we've been preaching out, your primary call of loving Christ and following Jesus and being his ambassador, it is outworked through our love, through our joy, through our peace, through our patience, through our kindness, through our goodness, through our faithfulness, through our gentleness, and through our self-control. So when I talk about you being an ambassador for Christ, it doesn't mean that you have to walk out onto the corner of Edsa right now and start preaching, y'all going to hell, turn, right? You don't have to do that, but you can be an ambassador of Christ as you bring peace into your workplace. 
You can be an ambassador of Christ as you exhibit self-control in a business deal or a relationship. You can be an ambassador of Christ in every area, in, in showing goodness, and showing kindness, in loving people. Doesn't matter what your job is, you've been called to be an ambassador. Your number one call, know Jesus, be his ambassador. Everything else you do is just a uniform that you wear. You go to work, you put on the uniform. You come home, you take it off. Guess what? You can't take off being an ambassador for Christ. If you are, you're a hypocrite. And you're not a true follower of Jesus. So we all have a primary call. What's my call? You've been called out of darkness into light. You have been called to belong to Christ Jesus. And you've been called to be his ambassador. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is you, 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 you. Whoever's watching online, you have been called. Okay, but what job do I do? That, that matters, but it doesn't matter as much as this. You know what this means? This means you will never waste a day of your life not knowing your purpose. You may waste many days not knowing what job you'll do. I've seen some of you. You may, you may waste many years in university doing degrees that you will never use. Right? I've seen some of you waste many years, many days, many, you, but you will never waste a day not knowing what your primary purpose and call is in this earth. Know Jesus, be his ambassador. The second thought that I have today, is this okay? We doing okay? Okay. All right. Number two is this. We all have a unique call. So I've established we've all got a primary call. It's all the same. Now, now we look at our neighbor and we go, okay, God's got something different for you than he has for me. Earlier this year, I preached out of 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that God hands out these gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's according to him. We can't earn it. We can't be like, God, pick me, pick me. It's like God just gives it to us. Why does he give certain gifts to certain people? I don't know. I put that in the mystery box. I don't understand it. God is sovereign. There's a few things I don't understand about God, but I trust him. In the same chapter, a little bit later on, he goes on to explain how it looks like when we all use these different gifts within the body of Christ. It's a long passage. I've read it before, but I want to read it again, especially for those that have never heard this before. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 11 says this, after he's just talked all about the gifts of the Spirit. He says, all the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit, and he gives gifts to each person just as he decides. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? Let me just time out here. You should be thanking God that if you're an eye, that there's an ear next to you. You should be thanking God that if you're a foot, there's a hand next to you. You should be thanking God that if you're a lung or a liver or an eyebrow or, or a, a buttocks, whatever part you are in, you should be thanking God that there are other parts that make up the body or else the body would not be able to function. I thank God that James Ayton is the only James Ayton because y'all couldn't handle another James Ayton and I know I couldn't handle myself. I'm already worried about my children growing up and exhibiting the same characteristics as me. I'm worried, but I'm glad there's not another me because the world doesn't another need, need another James, it needs another Ian. It needs another Jake. It needs another Tally. It needs another out. That's what the world needs. All right. What verse am I up to? Where am I up to? Verse 18. God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there's only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it's just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. Don't, don't ever think that what you do is insignificant in the body of Christ. Don't ever think what you do is insignificant. We have people, we have people that, that seem to do the most insignificant tasks in our church, like lay cables, right? Laying cables may, may seem like the most insignificant task in the church, but if we don't lay a cable correctly, then this feed doesn't go out to the world and we don't get stories like that girl that we just saw before. All because someone rolled up a cable and stuck it into a computer and a TV and a camera. Don't ever think what you do is insignificant. If you are in the body of Christ, everything you do is significant. Everything that we do is significant. I don't know, where am I again? I, I wasn't gonna say any of this, it's not in my notes. Where is there? The, I don't know, Jake, don't say the next one. I don't know, give me a verse. What am I up to? 20, 23, the parts that we think, sorry, the parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. Private parts aren't shown, but they are treated with special care. I'm not gonna preach about that, don't worry. <laughs> These parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body and has given more honors to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. The, the, we could preach this, this scripture so many ways and it has an intended meaning for its audience. And, and 
but you can still gain so much revelation from the intended meaning. Paul explains all the spiritual gifts which are distributed to the body of Christ so that we can serve one another. And I just wanna say, it's hard to serve one another when you're not committed and not planted in a body. I just wanna throw that out there. It's hard to serve when you're a pot plant going around to all different churches, just, just throwing that out there. But here's the point. He then takes these gifts and he gives us a practical example of how it looks. He explains that each one of the gifts, they're all different and unique parts. We are all unique. We all have different gift mixes, different strengths and different calls. And when it comes to serving God and outworking our spiritual gifts, we all have a unique call and it will look different for each one of us. I'm yet to meet someone in my travels that has the exact same gifting story and talents that I do and I'm grateful for that. We need the foots, the eyes, the livers, the bowels. We need everything. So here's what I wanna say. There's no pressure to run out and to find your unique call right now. Well, I need to know what's my unique call. What am I supposed to serve out of Do you know the best way to begin the journey of finding your unique call? Start serving. Just start serving. As you begin to serve, passion will begin to rise up or Distinct will begin to rise up. We've had people serve in our kids' ministry. I want to encourage you, if you love children and you are not a weirdo, we want you just being real upfront. We don't want weirdos in our kids' ministry. You got to get an NBI police clearance. But if you love kids, our kids is about to blow up in the next 12 months. And, and I know people that have served in kids that have walked away going, I am not called to kids ministry. In fact, I don't even know if I want to have children anymore. I might be called to celibacy, right? But then I've seen other people that have gone in going, mm, I don't know about this. And God's just lit a passion inside of them. A lot of times we're not going to know what our unique calling is until we actually begin to step in the river and begin swimming. And then God will begin to show us. When I was younger, I had no idea that I would, would end up being able to serve in the worship team. I had no idea. I could play four chords. I could play four chords on the guitar. Luckily, that's all you needed in church music at the time, right? That's all I knew. Put a capo on that, and you can play in every single key up the guitar. But as I began to serve, God began to unlock something inside of me and began to, to give me a gift and a talent that I didn't realize was there. Now remember, I'm not yet talking about your vocation, your job. I'll get there. I'm talking here about our serving, our unique call of outworking and serving in the kingdom of God and in his family. Our primary call is to follow Jesus and to share him with the world, but our unique call is to serve the body of Christ. And this has nothing to do with your job. It doesn't matter what you do for a job. It doesn't matter what school you're in at all. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Your two main calls, your primary call and your unique call, it should be activated and we should be outworking them. And the pressure that people sometimes feel when it comes to this unique call is when we feel like we have to plan it out. All right, God, I've got to serve here and I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be doing that. And I'm going to be doing that. No, just breathe. You don't need that pressure. Just start serving. 
Well, I don't, I don't know. Well, you will continue to not know until you get a little bit wet in the river. Then you'll begin to see what sticks. Then you'll begin to see how God will raise you up. You know, within this unique call, a lot of times it can be a seasonal call. You know, when it comes to serving the body, I have served every part of the body of Christ. I have served kids ministry. I have served youth. I have served young adults. I have served the women's ministry. I have served in running IT. I have overseen buildings. I have been involved in in so many different areas of serving in the house. Uh, I had a God encounter when I was 19 years old. And the God encounter was actually a result of me starting to serve in the house. I grew up, you gotta understand, I grew up in church and I hated it. Like I saw all the bad stuff that you shouldn't see as a kid. I saw it all. I had a double whammy. I was a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. So I just saw all the stuff, right? When I was a teenager, I went to youth group, but just because there was pretty girls at youth group, that was it, right? Thank God for pretty girls, because at least it kept me out of parties on a Friday night. However, you got to get them to youth, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, Evangeligal, right? Isn't that what it is? So, right, I, I, hated, I hated church, but I, I had an encounter with Jesus. In fact, when I was here in the Philippines as a 17-year-old, had an encounter with God where God shook me. I went into a church that at the time, it's my parents' church back in Australia. At the time, it was horrific. Now, it's an amazing church. At that time, it was horrific. And I just started serving. Do you know why I served? It wasn't because I had a passion for God's people. It was because I was living at home and not paying rent. And my dad said, if you want to continue living here, you have to help out in the youth group. I said, okay, I have no money. I guess I'll have to help out. That's how the great call and the great ministry of James Zayton started. I didn't have money for rent. So I went down to the youth group and there was four people and me and my older sister who was in an even worse place than I was at the time, we both started serving and God lit something in both of us. Now, she's the senior pastor of a a church that has about 30,000 people in it across multiple nations. I'm doing what I'm doing, but I got this call when I was 19 years old. I got this call from God. He stamped me and I felt the fire of, you're gonna serve me and you're gonna be unique and you're gonna be called and set apart. Now that doesn't happen to everyone, but this this is the point. I'm not talking about that. This is the point I wanna make. happened because I was already in the river. The call happened because I was already there serving. He didn't pluck me out of like, I, I, I took a long journey from, oop, I'm going to hell, I need Jesus, to oop, you're going to do this for the rest of your life. There was a long journey in between of me actually getting involved and starting to serve and serve Jesus. Some people want the plan written out for them. Don't bother. It'll never be written out for you. Just start walking and see where the journey leads and it's gonna be exciting and it's gonna be seasonal. I've had three distinct seasonal calls in in my Christian journey as an adult, three distinct. The first one was the church I was just describing, my parents' church. It was in Brisbane, Australia for six and a half years. I lived in Brisbane. I was with my parents, distinct call, time, served in that house 
Uh, love that love that house. Gateway Church, love that house. Uh, the second call distinct was in Perth in Western Australia. Served in my sister's church, my brother-in-law, Kingdom City, an amazing church. Kate joined me on that and it became our call together. And we were there for uh, just over six and a half years, nearly seven years, served that house, loved it. God called us to that city, thought I'd be there forever. And then I took a vacation to the Philippines and God just messed me up. And the third seasonal gift that I'm currently living in has been the last six years living here, called to Ortigas, but reaching the nation and, and, and Metro Manila and doing favor church. I love it. But guess what? I'm not gonna be doing this forever because this season will change at some point. At the moment, I'm called to Ortigas, but at some point, we're gonna have different campuses around Metro Manila, and that's gonna change my call. I'm not holding on going, well, God, this is what you called me to do. No, God's called me to serve him. And however that looks is gonna look different in every season. And I'm warning you, our church is gonna look different in different seasons. We're gonna start popping up campuses around Metro Manila. In the next couple of years, we're gonna start having international campuses outside of the Philippines. COVID has been really annoying, but we got some exciting stuff we're thinking and planning of, right? And, and so it's gonna look different. Things are gonna, and so I'm excited about the next season that's coming because why? I don't hold on to this call from God. Well, God, you called me to start favorite church in Ortigas. No, God called me to follow him. And it's looked like it's looked the last six years, but in the next six years, it's probably gonna look a little bit different. Don't hold on to how it looks. Hold on to God. I know I'm called to church ministry. I don't feel like that'll ever change. I'm praying one day that this won't be my vocation. I'm praying that I'll be able to be involved in business and I love business. I wanna raise up businesses and I wanna, I, I, wanna, I just wanna make money so that I can give it away, right? I just, I have such a desire and a heart. I wanna buy people cars. I wanna put people through school. I wanna give college scholarship. I wanna do, so, so even me working in church, I don't want this to be my vocational calling forever. I want it to be something I do out of passion. It's my passion. People, especially young adults, feel so much pressure to find their unique call. I just wanna say this to you. Today, maybe this is a word from God. Just breathe. Stop waiting for something to drop out of heaven. I found my unique calling as I outworked my primary call. How you serve God in your 20s, for some of you, is gonna look different to how you serve him in your 30s. It's gonna look different to how you serve him in your 40s. I know there's some people here that I can see that are in their 50s, and it looks a lot different from when you were in your 20s, and it's gonna look different when you're in your 70s. It's going to look different. The outworking may look different, but the passion and the motivation should never change. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, Paul writes, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever the situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all churches. What strong language. Paul goes, this is a rule. It's not a suggestion, and this is the rule. However life looks, however God allows your life to look, serve him, serve him, serve him. That's your call. Don't put parameters on how God can use you. Serve him. If you're living out 
your primary call, then you're not wasting your time. And sometimes your unique call may line up with your vocation. Some people are blessed to do this. I, I believe at the moment that that's where it is with me. I feel blessed. Some people are they're blessed. Their, their unique call of how God has called them to serve the body and to serve people, it lines up with their paid job that they do. How come that happens to some people and not to others? I, do, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's something that you've got to go to God about. But when it comes to our vocation, this is something where God is going to use you no matter what vocation you have. And there are some people that just know that they're called to a vocation, and that's cool. The Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse in one of the most significant books in the Bible, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. He knew what he was called. I mean, the fact was, that wasn't even his vocation. He was a tent maker. That was actually his passion, but he knew this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm going to, this is my, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make tents, but this is my job. I'm going to do this. I am called. Some people know they're called and that's awesome. I got a friend in Australia. His name is Andrew, one of my greatest friends. He is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He is so smart, it's annoying. Have you ever met those people? You, you play Trivia Pursuit and they, they just win all the time. Pictionary, you play board games. They're just so smart and they're un- he's so annoying. I, I'm so glad that physically he can't run. He, he loves sport, but he's got something wrong with his ankles. He can't run. I'm so glad that he, at least there's something wrong with him because he is just, he's good looking. He's smart. I'm just glad. But he, he is known for his whole life. He, he knew that he wanted to be a doctor. Like he knew and he knew and he chased after. He's now an orthopedic surgeon. This is the guy that you want taking care of you. He is calm. Nothing phases him. People, organs are hanging out in ER and he is calm. He, he, he has been, done everything. Registry doctor, ER doctor. Now he's an orthopedic surgeon, right? And, he know, and I look at him and I go, man, he knows. He knows he's called to be a doctor. But you know why? And he's told me this. Two things. One, he wants to help people. And two, he wants to make a lot of money for the kingdom of God. Even within his vocation, there's still a unique call on him. To help people, he shares Christ with people. And as well, he wants to make a lot of money to help build the kingdom of God. But others don't know what they're called to do in their vocation. And that is okay because sometimes your vocation can just be the thing that pays the bills to release you into your unique calling. You realize that in my life, everything I've done in my vocation has not aligned with what my unique calling is. Even as I've worked in church, I have overseen, I have done everything that you can do in church. There was a time where I was overseeing the IT. I mean, listen, don't even get me started about favorite church. I started it. So I did everything until we've had people. But in my previous church, I was overseeing the, um, the, the IT department. I'm like in modems, working out Wi-Fi and IP addresses, floating IP how, with the internet and, and do it. Like I was overseeing building construction stuff. I oversaw like marketing, create. That, that has nothing to do with my unique call, which is to lead, which is to preach the gospel. But I had to do it to pay the bills in order to release me into my unique call. 
So some of you might be thinking, well, I'm in a job I don't like. Well, firstly, I want to encourage you, don't stay in a job you don't like forever. If you got to pay the bills, pay the bills. But get in a job that you at least can look at yourself in the mirror and be pleased with yourself for doing. But sometimes y'all just got to pay the bills. I used to stack supermarket shelves from 10 p.m. at night until 6 a.m. in the morning. You think I enjoyed that? You think I was, woo, let's stack some shelves. Happy to go to college at 8 a.m., get one hour of sleep. I'm thrilled. No, I had to pay the bills. You know how expensive dating a girl is? I don't know why some people have the perfect job and others don't, but this is what I know, that if you're loving Jesus and if you're serving him faithfully, he will put you exactly where you need to be. We'll pray for this in just a moment. Okay, last point, then we're going to pray and it's going to be fun. Uh, number three, you will not hate your calling. I've grown up in church, and I've heard, I've heard some people say the stupidest things in church. Ugh, God. I hate children, but God's calling me to kids' ministry. Right? Can't stand them. Oh, I hate doing this, or, you know, oh, I never want, to, never want to go there. You know, I, I want to be a missionary, but I hope God doesn't call me to that country because I can never go there. Can I tell you, if God's going to call you into a unique call, he's going to give you the desire for it. And, and listen, it's okay to not want certain things. Like I remember before I came to the Philippines, I knew that I was called to the Philippines and I did a 24-hour trip to Cambodia, right? Love Cambodia. Love Cambodia. Hey, Cambodia. I love all you, anyone watching from Cambodia. I spent 24 hours in that nation and I tell you, I thanked God for about 23 and a half of those hours that I was called to the Philippines and not Cambodia, right? I'm just being real, right? I thank, I thank God. I don't want to eat cockroaches fried on the side of the road. I, that's not my call. And they'd always make the white guy do it. Huh, white guy, you do it. No, brown, tan, brown, like you, tan, tan, right? And I thank God. So there are elements. I, I'm so thankful that I'm called here to the Philippines. Psalm 145, 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. Sometimes the initial call, it may shock you, but if it's the Lord, if you're available, and if you're humble, he'll begin to change your heart and give you a desire. When I was called here to the Philippines, I was pumped. I wanted to come the next day. My wife, on the other hand, not as excited, right? Not because of the Philippines, but she was just had a really good life set up in Australia, had great friends. We were part of a great church. Moving to the Philippines wasn't just like an easy, yeah, we were giving up everything that we'd built. We were giving up our credibility, our reputation, friends that we had made, finances. We were giving up all these things. And so for Kate, when I said, I just feel like God's called us, Kate's like, I, I don't want to hear about it. I'm on Barakai. Many of you have heard this story. I'm power walking up Barakai. God, give me this nation. <laughs> right? I just sounded like I was like from Europe, Scandinavia or something as I'm speaking in tongues, going down the road. Right? And I'm sitting there and Kate is just lying on the beach. She's not even talking to God for those two weeks. She doesn't want, she just wanted to lie there and enjoy life. And I got home to Australia. I'm like, Kate, we can move there. The Philippines is awesome. It's going to be amazing. All this. And I'm trying to sell her. There's beaches. It's more fun in the Philippines. Right? Like all, all this kind of stuff. And it didn't work, but it, it took eight, it took eight months. It took eight months, but God began to change her heart. And after eight months, God put a desire in here for the nation. 
Has that been easy for her and easy for me? No. Did we realize that COVID would hit and we would be in the one nation that locked children down for the longest in the whole world? We didn't realize that. We didn't know that was coming. We didn't know that face shields. I mean, I wish I'd invested in face shields before whoever's invested in them has invested in them that we all have to, I mean, maybe we should take up an offering to buy the remaining face shields in whatever warehouse it is so we can just get rid of them already. And, right? we, we didn't know that that stuff would happen the way it's happened, but God has put a desire and has changed the desire. And, it's not always easy. Your, your call is not always going to be easy, but if you are in line with where God wants you to be, he's going to give you the grace to handle it, but it doesn't always mean it's easy. It's tough. I love, I love the call of God that he's put on my life. I love it. I love it. I love that I get to preach to you. I love that I get to lead. I just feel like I am in heaven. I love my call. But does that mean it's easy? I have many, many times where I struggle with the call that I have. I struggle with the weight of it. I struggle with the expectation of other people. I struggle with my own expectation. I struggle with the visions that God gives me and the dreams that God gives me. And, and here's the thing, not everybody in my life is thrilled about the call of God that I have. Let me just be upfront with that. Not everyone's celebrating, wow, mighty man of God, we're so grateful God called you. There are some people in our world that aren't happy about the fact that we're living in the Philippines or the fact that I do what I do. And that weighs on me. And it's, and it's hard sometimes, it really is. But what keeps me going? What keeps me going is that Jesus has called me out of darkness into light that I now belong to Jesus. And I wanna challenge every person here. I don't wanna make this about me being a pastor and calling him, even though I know I talked a little bit about it, but I just wanna cut that for a second and say this. My passion for Christ is not because I'm a pastor, it's because I am a Christian. Romans 8, 28, so famously known, so widely taken out of context. But it says, and we know that, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Ready? For those who are called according to his purpose. Things will get hard, but if you are walking in the call that he has for you, then it's gonna work for good at some point. Life hasn't been the easiest in the Philippines for any of us in the last two years. But even in the midst of the last two years, God is working things for good in my life. Why? Because I am walking out the call that I have according to his purpose. Why? Because I am a Christ follower. Some of you today, you wanna to know your calling. Maybe you want insight on your unique calling, your vocation, we'll pray for it. But I wanna challenge you that our primary calling is a selfless call. It is a counterculture call. Some of you I just want to speak into in the seasoned age group, maybe the more mature of you. Maybe you think, well, my time's up. Uh, maybe, you know, I, or maybe I missed my chance. Can I tell you this? I, I tell this to every 
person that's one day older than me and everyone younger as well, I just say, if you still have breath in your lungs, God still has a plan and a purpose for you. God is not done with you. Don't waste your years away. God has purpose for you. This church needs moms and dads and grandparents in this house. Ephesians chapter four, verse one to three, Paul writes this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner, ready? Worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I want to challenge favorite church, everyone online watching our outdoor service. I wanna challenge us to walk in a way, walk in a manner that is worthy of the call, the call that Jesus has called you to belong to him, the call that he has called you out of darkness into light, the call that we are now ministers of reconciliation, that we are Christ's ambassadors. Walk in a way that is worthy of that call. Walk in a way that is worthy of a man who died on the cross for that call to be evident in our lives. A man who went to the cross to forgive us of our sins so that we could walk in this call. Walk in a way that's worthy of the price he paid. There's some people in church that are so dismissive and familiar with what Christ did on the cross and we don't walk in a way that honors and reflects the price he paid. I wanna, I wanna read it again, just, just what Paul said. Paul in this, in Ephesians, he's writing this to the church. This isn't to Timothy the leader, this is to the church and he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Today, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the call. Worthy of the call. This nation doesn't need another church full of church attenders. This nation doesn't need another church just full of people that click in and click out in the church service, that watch online, tick off my spiritual box for the week, and then, and then click out. This nation needs a church to rise up full of people that know their call, that know that they have been called to live counter to the culture of the world, to not love what the world loves, but to love what God loves, to be an ambassador, to represent Jesus and live in a way that is worthy of the call. That's what this nation, our nation needs favor church. Did you know that? Our nation needs, in Galleria, our nation needs Victory Ortigas to rise up and live in a way worthy of the call, and they do. Our church needs River of God downstairs to live in a way. Our church needs Destiny Church to live in a way. Our, our church needs GCF, a street away, to live in a way. That's what this nation needs. It doesn't need another church full of people that just tick off a religious box. It needs a church full of people that are called, that know they're called. I've been called of God, but at, regardless of my job, regardless of my season, I have been called. That's what this nation needs. 
It's a religious nation just full of religious people. We need, we need some people that are willing to sacrifice for the call, to die for the call, to put their lives on the line for the call. If you're a If you're here today, you're watching right now online and especially outside in our service. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, James? I want want to walk in my primary calling. Maybe some of you already understood it. Maybe today was like lights on revelation. I've actually been focusing on the wrong thing and I've realized, wow, this is actually what I need to focus on. If that's you, if you're someone that wants to make a stand to say, regardless of my season, regardless of my job, my vocation, whatever I'm doing, I want to walk. I want to be a minister of reconciliation. I want to be an ambassador. I belong to Christ Jesus. If that's you, could you just stand and lift your hands to heaven right now? If you're saying, that's me, I want to do that. I want to live that out. For some of you, maybe you you haven't even thought of this before. I want to encourage you. you, you're never going to know what you should do until you actually take a, a step into the river. For some of you here, I feel the Lord just put this strongly in my heart. For some of you here, the passion of the call of God has dimmed over the years. There was once a passion for God and His call but it's just dimmed a little bit. And you're the type of person that looks at young people. You're the type of person that looks at people maybe jumping around and go, oh, well, that's good for them, but they don't know how tough life is. (laughs) They don't know. Once they've lived a little bit, they might not be as full of passion and full of zeal. I can tell you firsthand that we have people in our church that jump around, that have zeal, that have gone through some stuff that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, but because they have found Christ, the call of God upon their lives, that they do dance for joy, they do lift their hands, they do celebrate. Maybe you're here and it's kind of dimmed over the years. That passion's gone today. I am praying, I am believing that God is going to reignite that passion. You came to church thinking you were just gonna tick off your spiritual box for this week, but you're going to leave with a reignited passion and heart and desire for the call of God in your life. And it will, it will be that primary call, but it may even begin to outwork into your unique call as well. Come on. If you want to encounter God, just lift up your hands right now to heaven. Lord, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you that you have called each one of us. You have called us. You know us by name. And you have called us to belong to Christ Jesus. And right now, I pray, let that call, let the revelation, the fullness of that primary call to know you, to love you, to be loved by you, and to share that love as an ambassador, to be a minister of the reconciliation that we've experienced. God, I pray, let that call be so real, be so relevant, be in front of us, God. For those that maybe have let that fire wane, 
that it's been diminished over the years. God, I pray, let there be a conviction right now of the Holy Spirit that would come and would reignite it in the name of Jesus. Let passion rise up that they haven't felt for decades, for years. Let a passion to serve you, a passion to lay down their life for you, a passion to serve you no matter what season, no matter what we're going through, no matter what job we have, to serve you, to be your ambassador. God, I pray, light the fire, light the fire, light the fire in such a way. Let it be a light like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, God. Oh, let the passion of Christ come and begin to fill. Let the passion of God come and begin to fill right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it fill. Let it fill. Reignite it. Reignite it. Reignite it. Let tears come up. Some of you are crying for the first time in decades right now as you feel the Holy Spirit beginning to come on you right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, begin to come and fill this place. Begin to speak to people now. Begin to speak to people. Begin to speak to people. Show them unique calls. Begin to call out seasonal callings, God. Begin to call out unique calls right now in this house. Oh, begin to give visions. Begin to give visions. Begin to give dreams right now. Those watching right now, God, that you would begin to pour it out, that they would begin to see visions, see visions, see visions, see visions of what you have called, of what you have called in Jesus' name. Jesus. God, that we would walk in a manner that is worthy of the call that you have called us to. That we would walk in that way. Come on, let's worship. Lift your hands. Sing, come again.
pray for everybody here that you don't know what vocation you should do. And surprisingly enough, this is not just for young people. This is people in their 40s and 50s as well sometimes. Maybe God, maybe God is calling you to a change of industry or a change of vocation. Or maybe you just have no idea what you, you want to do. Maybe you're in a struggle right now. I want to pray. I'm not guaranteeing that all of a sudden you're going to find the perfect thing. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep praying with you. And I'm going to keep praying for you that God's going to lead you to that right job, to a job where you can outwork your primary calling, any job you can do that, to a job that you love, to a job that you have passion for, that you feel refreshed in. Come on, if that's you, you want that, can you lift your hands to heaven right now? If you don't know, if you don't know, there's hands going up everywhere. If you're in a battle, if you're in a struggle right now, God, I pray that you would come and that you would speak, that you would come and you would speak right now, Lord that you would come, that you would open doors that are supernatural. Open doors that are supernatural. Those that are wrestling, struggling right now in their current work, in their current jobs. They don't know if this is the right thing. Not sure what to do. God, I pray that you would close doors that aren't of you and that you would open, swing them wide open. I pray for pay increases on every person, God. I pray for new opportunities, God, for different areas that they never thought could exist right now. Lord God, open the floodgates of heaven and let your blessing pour out. Let your blessing pour out. Give clarity where there is vagueness right now. Come and help those. Come and help. Come and help. Hey, for those right now that you feel and, I, and I'm really believing, I, I, I'm just so believing that people, God is going to open up doors of opportunity. God's going to open up jobs. He's going to shut certain doors. He's going to, I really felt, I really felt in my spirit, there's going to be people in their 50s that God is going to actually change your complete industry and you're going to know it's Him. You're going to have a peace and it's going to be, it's going to be a door that was camouflaged that you never saw before and God's about to open it up for you. Right now, I know we're running a bit late, but I don't care. We only get to do church once a week, right? So if you're here and, and you're, you're struggling in your unique call, how you're going to serve the body of Christ, how you're going to serve in church, how you're going to serve in the house, maybe you're not sure, maybe you're already serving, maybe you're not, but you, but you just know that God, you got a desire to do what God's called you to do. If that's you, I want to pray for you. On. can you lift your hands if that's you if you've got that desire maybe you don't know what it is yet maybe you're struggling God where's my place where's my footing where is it I want to pray for you right now great hands everywhere hands online come on you lift your hands too Lord I thank you for your gifts I thank you that you've given us spiritual gifts and Lord I pray for each person with their hands raised that God again clarity would come and Lord as each one of us begin to step into the river and begin to serve, that you would alight passions inside of us, God, that you would keep us away from the things that we're not gifted in, and God, you would put us, align us with those things. God, maybe for some of us, there's seasons that we need to serve in areas that we're not gifted in because it's gonna shape us and it's gonna grow us. Give us the strength and the capacity to handle that, God, I pray. Lord, lead people, guide them. Give us as leaders the wisdom to be able to see people and call the destiny out on them in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. I want to say this. I want to say this. That when it comes to your unique calling, that there may be areas that you serve in that you're like, oh, I don't like this and I'm not called to this. Right? And I want to challenge you because there's areas that I've served in in the church, wider body, in churches that I've been a part of that I didn't like. But because I did it, it grew me. It stretched me. It added new skills to me that I am now using and, and now implementing in a season that I didn't really enjoy too much. So let me just say this. Don't run away from the uncomfortable. Embrace the uncomfortable. Sometimes things just need to get done and you're the only person standing there. Do it. Doing, only standing there. So I want to encourage you, do it. Do it. Because it will stretch you. It will grow you. And as you do that, you'll learn, hey, this isn't, I know I'm not called to this, but I'm thankful I had the opportunity to learn and to grow. Amen. Amen. One last thing I want to do. This is what we do every week in our church. I know, you know, there's people in this room, there's people online, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The greatest call of all is not what job you work, it's not even how you're going to outwork your spiritual gift, but the greatest call of all is to be called into a relationship with Jesus. And today, I want to let you know, He is calling. He is saying, daughter, son, come. You've been called into relationship with me. You might have done things in your life. We call it sin. It's the stuff that we've done that separates us from God. But no matter how much sin you have done, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy is there for you. All you've got to do is humbly come before him and do what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He said that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I want to challenge you that today, if you haven't been saved, if you've never come to that point with Christ where you've said, I want to be in your family, forgive me of my sins. If you're watching online, outdoor, if you're in here in the building, I want you to close your eyes. And if that's you, you're saying, I've never done this before. Maybe you're here and you did this a long time ago, but you walked away from Jesus. You, you, you know you don't have an active relationship with Christ. I want to give you the chance to respond. I want to ask you to lift your hand on the count of three. We're going to pray together in your home, outside. You do it as well. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hands right now all over this place. Awesome. A few hands going up here on the side, over on the other side. Up in the back, I see a few hands online as well. If you're watching, please type in, say, hey, that's me. Do the emoticon, type in, that's me. And we're going to pray a prayer. And this prayer... This prayer, it, it doesn't fix everything in your life, but what it does is it starts your journey with Jesus. You're not going to be perfect today, but you're going to be facing in the right direction, which is towards Jesus. So come on, if you lifted your hand, can you put your hand on your heart? If you lifted your hand, we're all going to pray this prayer together online. I want you to pray with me. Come on, say these words. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now and I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you defeated death and you rose victorious. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise for everything? 
Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.